Wow, uh, what a great day to be alive. What a great day to worship God together. And what a great song that is, Trust You. That is um, the latest original worship song written by Nathan Bonus and the Story Worship Band, who, by the way, were just rocking in this house this morning. We are live here at the Story this morning, and um, they've really blessed us with that song this year. He wrote it before 2020, although it is prodigious because <laughs> it speaks exactly to the, uh, the circumstances that we're living in in 2020. However, whatever, whenever, God, we're going to trust you through it all, and that's a choice I hope we're all making today. Um, in spite of what's going on around us in the world, it's just crazy all the time. We will trust God and let him be our guide, the foundation on which we stand. Listen, wherever you are, I'm glad you're here this morning for our 29th, I think, week of online-only worship. It has been quite a year, and uh, we have found a way to come together even while we are apart. So uh, my name is Eric. I'm the lead pastor here, and I just want to thank you for being here. And I'm going to ask you, whatever platform you're watching on, if it's possible, just go to the comments section and let us know that you're here. Just tell us where you're tuning in from. We got people worshiping with us every week all over the great city of Houston, the great state of Texas, and this great country, of course, and even sometimes in other countries. And so that's always cool to hear from you all. So I hope you'll check in and let us know that you're here um, I want to extend a special thank you to those of you that have continued to support the story's mission throughout this year. I like everyone this year, we've had to tighten our belts and find a way through this difficult time. Like every organization, every family, we at the story have done the same. And your support has meant more than ever, especially in uncertain times like these. And so I want to thank you for your generosity. And if you are feeling the nudge today to maybe offer a one-time gift or to set up recurring gifts to support the story's mission and, and helping people around the world and also inspiring non-religious people to follow Jesus, please visit thestory.church slash donate. And uh, you can do that via that website. We haven't been passing any offering baskets for 30 weeks now almost. So you, uh, you've really made this happen with your online gifts because listen, your church has never closed. Not since March, not one week have we been closed. If anything, the work of this community has increased. You would not believe the amount of work that has gone into the ministries of the story, expanding our reach through these online outreaches and, and other kinds of uh, partnerships that, uh, that we have with local organizations. One of those, by the way, is Houston Welcomes Refugees. Some of you all know exactly what I'm talking about, but most of you probably don't because we haven't had, um, you know, just gobs and gobs of people that have gotten involved with Houston Welcomes Refugees yet. Um, we're looking for a few more people that are feeling the nudge from God's spirit to get connected in meaningful ways to this powerful organization. So tomorrow night, that's Monday night, 7 p.m., we're going to have an online orientation for the work of Houston Welcomes Refugees in partnership with the Story Houston. So if you're wanting to just know more, this isn't a commitment, but just to find out more, I would love to invite you to that. Check out thestory.church slash events, events, plural, um, for more information about that online orientation. Um, today's a really special day here at The Story, and, and I'm going to talk a little bit about why it's special before we get into today's message. If you got the uh, catalog, the Story Houston Fall catalog, and looked through it, you may have seen something pretty huge that was tucked away kind of in the middle, a pretty amazing announcement that in addition to everything else our Story Houston media team has been up to, launching new podcasts and, and churning out episodes of Maybe God and doing these weekly worship services online, 
Our media team, under the direction of Julie Mirlecoutois, has taken on this massive project of producing a feature-length documentary film. And this is in the works, y'all. This is happening. It is legit. We sent a, a crew, a team, to Central America to follow a bunch of um, evangelical Central Americans uh, th- from their homes that where they're fleeing violence and, and poverty and all kinds of misery, seeking a better life, a safer life for themselves and their kids, like any of us would do in a similar situation. We followed them with cameras and we heard their stories. And this documentary, I think, is going to change the world in some ways. What we learned is that when these people finally reached the southern border and crossed the border into this great country that we call home, they were changed by that experience, but so were the people who welcomed them. And some of the stories that are told are truly like just so counter to what you hear in the news. So some people that maybe oppose immigration, uh, so to speak, they welcomed these refugees into their communities, got to know them as brothers and sisters in Christ, and were forever changed by that experience. So there's so much more to this issue of immigration and and, uh, welcoming refugees than what the 24-hour news cycle will tell you sometimes. And we're going to tell these stories in this feature-length documentary. And that's part of what you're supporting when you support the story Houston financially. It's just an amazing thing. The idea for that, the root of that, came out of a Maybe God podcast episode we did last year called Can Loving Illegals Save Our Souls? If you haven't listened to the Maybe God podcast, I can't encourage it enough. I know I'm always talking about it. That's just because it's such a part of our community. And in, the, in that episode about um, immigration uh, called Can Loving Illegals Save Our Souls, we talked to a pastor from San Antonio named John Garland. He leads the church, the San Antonio Mennonite Church. And 24-7, they are welcoming refugees, immigrants, and asylum seekers along the, that, that cross the southern border and um, that are being released from detention centers. And John, along with others, is, uh, he's helping them find uh, shelter, clothing. Um, he's helping them find food. In some cases, he's helping them find their families because families have, have been separated and, and sent to different detention facilities. And so that's been John's experience. And talking to him about their stories is, is earth shattering. It will disturb every person, regardless of your worldview, I think, to, to deeper thinking, deeper understanding. Um, John talks a lot about these people who are coming up from Central America in these so-called caravans, how 80% of them are evangelical Christians. And this has implications for us, all right? So as we talk about these social issues like abortion two weeks ago and racism last week, we've been talking about how to interpret these issues from a biblical point of view. And when we understand that 80% of the people who are traveling up, escaping awful conditions back home toward this country we were fortunate enough to be born into, we have to understand that before they're immigrants, before they're a caravan, before they're foreigners, strangers, or anything else, they're brothers and sisters in Christ. And so how does that change this conversation? As part of this series called In the Image of God, Standing Up for Every Human Life, I wanted to talk about immigration for that very reason. Uh, We've talked about these other controversial issues, abortion and racism. Next Sunday, we'll talk about gender. And yet, when we look at those other three compared to what the Bible says about immigration, the Bible speaks more about immigration than the other three combined. And so this isn't really something that uh, we can uh, be let off the hook on. This is something that's going to challenge some of us to the point of 
think changing our outlook, changing our worldview in some ways. Look, the Bible from cover to cover talks at least about having a heart for the stranger, having a a hospitable, a warm heart for the immigrant, for the one who's fleeing danger and not oppressing these people. So Exodus 22, for example, it says, do not oppress the stranger, do not oppress the foreign immigrant, for you once were an immigrant. When you were in Egypt, God told the people of Israel. Of course, we know Jesus as a child was an immigrant refugee when his family fled infanticide at the hands of King Herod when he was two years old in Bethlehem and they fled to Egypt as well. And then toward the end of his life on earth in Matthew 25, Jesus said that whenever you welcome a stranger, you're not just welcoming a stranger, you're welcoming Jesus himself. And so we're not really gonna talk about this in terms of politics or voting or political party. This is about what's in your heart. Plain and simple, what's in your heart? Can you love the people around you who may not look like you, talk like you, um, or come from the same place that you do? So I did ask John to share with us uh, today uh, for today's message. As an added bonus in this message, you're gonna see footage, the first ever footage that's been shown to the public from our feature-length documentary because John was part of the team that we sent down there um, to, to shoot footage of the caravan coming north. Um, I also want to encourage you to stick around till the very end because we have a very special added bonus, extra surprise at the end um, that you do not want to miss. So be sure to hang out for that. Let's get right to it. This is today's message from Pastor John Garland of the San Antonio Mennonite Church. Thank you so much. It's such a gift to be here at The Story. Uh, this is a church that is home for a lot of people. Uh, and not just the people who uh, come into this building. Um, You all provide home for so many people across the state and across the the country uh, by sharing your story um, and sharing the voices of this church um, and the voices of so many people who are sojourning and pilgriming uh, through this world and through tough questions. And the story has been such a gift uh, to us as a church in San Antonio, such an encouragement. Um, and such a support. It's wonderful to be here. Uh, It feels like uh, being at home. Uh, In San Antonio, we um, have felt called to give home uh, to pilgrims. We feel like a a church that receives a lot of pilgrims. Uh, Folks that we call um, immigrants or uh, asylum seekers, uh, sometimes we call them refugees. Um, People who are driven from the place that they called home into a new understanding of what that can be. And that's what it means to be a pilgrim. We we don't belong here as pilgrims, but we are going on a way. To be a pilgrim means that we are sometimes driven and shoved and sometimes called. Uh, To be a pilgrim is to not belong here, but to belong in the way because it is God's way. Um, and, 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 and the pilgrim is one who is going to God. We call ourselves uh, in San Antonio, a church that receives a lot of pilgrims. And first we did it because we see these folks as made in the image of God. Though they've come uh, from far away and they speak different languages and they've, they've lived lives and experiences we can hardly imagine, surely they are made in the image of God. And surely we can open our doors and our hearts and our, and our homes to them. So a number of years ago, we opened up a hospitality house and it's been full 
for years with, with pilgrims made in the image of God. And then we also came to this realization that not only are they made in the image of God, but they are calling us in their way. They're calling us to a greater expression, a deeper, more true expression of our own uh, image bearing of God. This, at first, it was uncomfortable to realize, and then a rich uh, and deeper understanding that, in fact, we're all pilgrims. Uh, that none of us really truly belong here, but we are on a way and we're on a way together. Um, and it is, it is God's way. It's uncomfortable though, to come to that realization. It's uncomfortable to realize that I'm not quite home here. And, and the way is long and the way is unclear. It's, it's uncomfortable to realize that I too am a pilgrim and that we're pilgrims together. So I asked this question, what do we do with that realization that we are on a way? What do we, what do we do with the realization that we are not quite home? Um, I, I have experienced this spectrum of realization. First, over here on the spectrum is this, is this um, uh, slight discomfort, uh, this disease. We, we feel it kind of down here in our bodies that I am not at peace. There's something not quite right about who I am and where I am. I'm not quite at home. Um, and then further along the spectrum is more of the crisis of my dream, uh, my vision for my life it's just not panning out and it just could not be true. This is not who I actually am. It's not who I am called to be. This is not the image bearing. My dreams are falling apart. Then further along the spectrum is the most intense catastrophe. Everything in my life is falling apart. I have no home. I'm being driven away. I have lost everything. I am obviously homeless and hurt and broken and trapped, and I can hardly breathe. You know the spectrum. All of us are going to find ourselves moving along this spectrum at various times in our life. Sometimes it's this disquieted place, and sometimes it's this existential crisis, and other times it is absolute catastrophe. What do we do with that, though? How do we turn back to the image of God? this image bearing of God when we feel so unrooted uh, or lost or trapped. There is a couple of stories I'd like to point to. One is of a very young girl. Um, she is an African girl um, and she is enslaved. Uh, in Genesis chapter 16, we're first introduced to her, and she's enslaved by someone we know very well, Abram, before his name was changed, and his wife, Sarai. And in Genesis 16, we're introduced to this young, young girl. They don't name her. Uh, Abram and Sarai never call her by name, but the scriptures give her a name. They say her name was, was Hagar uh, of Africa, and she is... Uh, in a very um, uh, uncomfortable story, she's impregnated. And then she's, she's, she's pushed out. 
And, and we'll, we'll pick up the story uh, in the middle of chapter 16, where this young, enslaved, powerless girl is pregnant and walking through the desert. I feel like we've met Hagar. I feel like we've met Hagar so many times coming into our hospitality house, having walked through a desert and she's pregnant and she's powerless and she has no home. Uh, it describes Hagar sitting down um, uh, in the desert and she feels uh, helpless in the wilderness. I've seen that. The young girl sitting down, so tired and so lost. I know the smell of that. I mean, I mean the smell of rotten shoes and, and, and clothes that have not been changed because there are no clothes to change into. The, the smell of hunger and, and fear. And, and here is Hagar. And she sits down lost. And then a messenger comes to her, a messenger, and says, what are you doing, enslaved girl? Where are you going? What a question. Where are you going? And she says, I'm running away. And the angel, the messenger who's of God says, I need you to go back. Oh, that's such a hard part of the story. The messenger of God says, I need you to go back. We've met so many of these, these young and powerless Hagars who are sent back. You're going to have to go back. And, and it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a difficult thing to see. It's a difficult thing to hear. It's so hard to get the messages on the phone of here I am back in my home in Honduras and I'm so scared and it's so hard and I have nothing here. She's sent back. But before she goes, Hagar says this. You are... Elroy, she speaks in Hebrew. You are Elroy because I have seen God and God has seen me. She names God. Uh, an enslaved African girl is the first human to name God. And she says, you are the God who sees. The image of God made in the image of God with this ability to turn back and say, I see you, God, seeing me. Do you remember, let's flip way back to the back of our Bible and the gospel of Mark, Mark chapter five. Do you remember when, when Jesus was walking through a crowd and, 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 and a woman who has been hurt and she's been bleeding, the life has been coming out of her for 12 years. The woman pushes through the crowd. She shouldn't be there. She has no power. She has no hope. She reaches out and touches Jesus's cloak and Jesus stops. And Mark says, Jesus looked around to see. Jesus looked around to see the one who had touched him. Hagar says, you are the God who sees me. 
And Jesus lives this out, looking around to see. Who is this? Who is this one made in the image of God? We, 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 we visit Hagar again in um, Genesis chapter 21. This story is a lot more difficult to read. In Genesis 21, um, uh, Hagar has given birth. And she has a beautiful child, but there's a conflict in the family. Uh, and again, she has no power. And again, she is threatened. And, and again, she is cast off. And before she's cast off here in Genesis 21, we have this image. We have this image of the one with power putting her, a backpack on her. He, 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 uh, he puts a backpack on her and, 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 and some water. And she has to pick up the bag, and then she has to pick up the child. How many of these pilgrims have we met who've had everything in their world on their back and everything they love in their arms? This is a difficult story to read. Genesis 21, we have this image of Hagar walking through the desert and she has a backpack and her child and we know what happens in the desert and the water runs out and, and the food runs out and Hagar sets down the empty bag and then she sets down her child and the, and the scripture says she put the child under a bush and she, she walked off the distance that it would take so she would not have to hear the child cry. Hmm. We receive these pilgrims who have to, they have to go off the distance so they don't hear their child cry. And we've heard them describe that separation being separated from a child that you cannot provide for. You cannot give them water. You cannot give them what they need to stop their crying. You cannot give them what they need to stay alive. And Hagar goes the distance that it takes. The scriptures in Genesis says it's a bow shot. Made in the image of God. Both the mother and the child. God hears the child. God hears the child crying and God comes down and says to Hagar, I have heard the sounds of your child crying. And God says to Hagar, I want you to go back and take that child by the hand. And then it says that, that God opens up Hagar's eyes and she sees a well. There in the desert. Go and take that child by the hand and I will open your eyes. Mm. Do you remember that story? It's just after Jesus is touched by the woman and he turns to see. You are the God who sees. He's called into the house of a mother and father whose daughter has died. She's 12 years old. 
And the little girl is in this dark room and she's there lifeless on the bed. And Jesus goes into this dark, hopeless room of death and he reaches down and Mark says, he takes her by the hand. He says, Mark says, he speaks in, in, uh, in Aramaic, Talitha kum, my little child, get up. Take the child by the hand. And I will open your eyes and there will be a well. Jesus says, I want you to give this little girl something to eat. Our Jesus, our Savior, our Messiah, the one who says, I will be embodied in your church. I see. And I will take by the hand. Can we be that church? Can we be that church living out of Jesus's resurrection power, seeing well and taking by the hand fearlessly and with hope, lovingly and in faith? Can we be that church that sees and be that church that takes by the hand? We are made in the image of God, which means that God can see us in a way that builds relationship. And God also crafts us into the perfect instruments of love. In Hebrew, the word is hesed, steadfast love, unending love, love that goes and goes and goes. Can we be that church made in the image of God? Y'all, the story, this church uh, sent me on a trip a number of months ago. Uh, this church sent me down to Central America, Honduras, the border of Honduras and Guatemala, uh, to visit with some churches there of the people um, um, from, from where we have received pilgrims. And uh, I went and visited with a number of churches and heard stories and ate amazing pupusas and, and tortillas and and baleadas, and it was wonderful. And the stories of faith and the stories of suffering and the stories of hope and the stories of loss. This one woman told the story of church. She said, I, I led worship. I was a leader in worship. I, I led in song. And, and there, was one, there was one morning when I was leading in this little church. I was leading the song and I could hear all the voices. She says, I, I, I heard all the voices and, and I was closing my eyes and I could feel the presence of God. I could feel God seeing me and I could feel the eyes of my heart seeing God. This wonderful expression being made in the image of God and seeing. And she says, it was then that the man who wanted to kill me came into the church. Such a violent place. So much hurt and violence. She says, the man who wanted to kill me, he had threatened me and he used this moment in the middle of worship to come in. And she said, she had this long, sharp machete and he pushed through and he came up onto the stage and he, and he was yelling at me saying, now is the time that you will, this is a dark story. This is the time you will die. What do we do in that place where we are utterly powerless against violence, yet we know God sees us and we know that we are seeing God. She says, in that moment, 
church rose up and rose around me. And there were other members of the church that were gathered there and they were putting their hands uh, on her and they were saying, yes, the church rose up and they gathered around me and they formed a huge, huge hug, a circle around me. She said, she said, they, they said, no one is going to die here now. I see that church. It looks like a well, right? It looks like a well in the desert. It looks like the hand of Jesus. Unafraid of the dark room. Unafraid of the death saying, Talitha Kum, now is the time to rise up. Hmm. We are pilgrims. Uh, but we are pilgrims who are made in the image of God, which means that we are seen by God and we can see as God sees. We are made in the image of God, which means that we are perfect instruments of that love, that Hesed love, that unending love that drives out darkness, that drives out fear. Can we be that church made in the image of our Christ, seeing and reaching out? I ask that. It's a hard question. And there are days, honestly, when I think I don't have what it takes. And because of that, I, 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 I give thanks because so many of our brothers and sisters are coming to us, the pilgrim church coming to us. And, and there's this realization that, yes, we are not alone in this journey. It is not just about us here on the journey, but, but on this pilgrim way, we are walking with generations of Christians. We are walking with pilgrims all across the world. Um, we receive pilgrims from Central America. We receive pilgrims from Central Africa from Angola, from the Congo, made in the image of God, seeing as God sees and reaching out as God reaches out. They come to us and they also invite us. Come with us on this way. Let's, let's spend some time in worship now with two pilgrims who have ministered to me. Um, Kabibi was a pastor in the Congo, and now she is a leader in our own community. Um, Deo was a pastor in Angola. Now he is a faith leader in our own uh, community uh, after such long and arduous journeys through South America and Central America, trapped in Mexico, and then long uh, time spent in our own immigration prisons in this country. Deo's wife is still trapped in the immigration prisons uh, in this country. And yet they lead us in songs of faith, songs that help us to see and songs that help us to reach out. So I'd invite my brother Deo, my sister Kabibi, uh, to lead us now uh, in these songs of praise, these songs of seeing, uh, these songs of saying to God, uh, yes. 
Thank you, be glory to God. Thank you. 